Hi, this is your host, Becky Sanders. Welcome to A Virtual View, where we discuss healthcare, telehealth, and everything in between. Today, we are talking with Tina Darling, Project Director, and Anita Brown, Data Coordinator, for the IRHA Connecting Kids to Coverage program. So our focus today is to talk about the partnership that they have made to help increase health coverage in Indiana. Tina, can you explain why the partnerships are so important as we work to identify families in need? Yes, sure. And thank you for having us on your program today. I do want to say that. The partnerships to reach children are important for us, mainly during the pandemic, because we are restricted from getting out there and finding those families. So we cannot interact with back-to-school events or with youth soccer league programs in the summers right now. So we rely on organizations who are either youth serving or family serving who do have interaction with those families. And if the topic of health insurance comes up and we can step in and help those families get coverage, that's where we would like to partner. Thank you. And as I understand it, there's a couple of different types of Medicaid programs within the state of Indiana that you guys work with. Can you explain a little bit um, about the difference between those? I think they're Hoosier HealthWise, the Healthy Indiana Plan, and Medicaid and Marketplace. That's correct. And actually, I'm going to invite Anita Brown, our data coordinator, who's also a licensed Indiana navigator, to talk about those. She interacts with clients with these programs more than I do. Well, with the um, Medicaid plans, they have the Healthy Indiana Plan, which we also call it as HIP. Those are for adults up to the age of 64. Then you have the children that are from birth to 18. We also have the Pregnancy Medicaid that works for maybe a child that is under 19 that would be under Hoosier HealthWise. And then if they're an adult, then they would go under the Healthy Indiana Plan. With the amounts of clients that maybe don't fall into one of those categories, we also can work with Marketplace during open enrollment. There's also times that Marketplace has opportunities for that person to apply if they have significant changes within their life, whether it be lose a job, lose their income, things like that, to where we can actually enroll them in the special enrollment time when that's available for Marketplace. Thanks. Now, Tina mentioned that you are a licensed insurance navigator. What does that mean and what does it take to become one? Well, you have to go through the Indiana Department of Insurance. There is a class that you have to go through. At the end of the class, there is a state test that you must pass. And also at the end of that, you become a licensed state navigator, but you also have to have education throughout the year to keep it up, to be able to research every year. You have to continue with education, not just for that reason, but you want to make sure you keep up on what's going on with the different rules, regulations. And we all know with the state, things change quite frequently. And of course, with the pandemic, we have lots of changes that happen that are not necessarily the norm. But right now, with different things going on with that, You know, if they have to pay on a particular account because part of that is their responsibility with the Medicaid during this pandemic, they are not required to do that. But at the point that the state of emergency or the federal state or the federal emergency, then at that point, they would have to start making some premiums. Now, not everybody has to do premiums, but some of the insurances with Medicaid, depending on their income and such, will have to make a premium payment. Thank you very much. No, so I want to, I, I have a hard time, and I know you just explained it, but I want to try and 
um, restate what I heard when you talked about the four different plans. So if a person is under the age of 18, so 18 or younger, then they would be eligible, depending on income levels, for either marketplace or Hoosier health-wise. Is that correct? And they could be just traditional Medicaid as well. Okay. And then if they're over, they're 19 or older up until 64, when they're eligible for Medicare, then they would be um, covered under Medicaid or the HIP plan or marketplace. Correct. Okay. Thank you. The next thing I'd like to talk about is if you guys could share some data about the percentage of uninsured in the state of Indiana. Sure, I can talk about that. Since our funding from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services wants us to focus on children, I'm going to talk more about that than I am about adults. Between the years of 2016 and 2019, and I'm getting this data, by the way, from the Georgetown University Center for Children and Families, they pay a lot of attention to what goes on with insurance rates in each state. Uh, Between the years of 2016 and 2019, Indiana ranked 12th out of 50 states in the highest number of uninsured children. What that means in other numbers is we still have almost 12% of our child population in the state who is going without health coverage. Now, this is not good, obviously, because children without health coverage go without immunizations. They frequently have other health issues that present themselves in school. Mental health issues are not addressed. We have seen addiction rates rising in our state at younger and younger ages. So this is the main purpose behind our funding is to help find these kids and help them get coverage. We can also help their parents get enrolled and we do that. But our main focus is is to find uninsured children. Thanks for clarifying that, I appreciate that. And any information that we reference during our podcast today, if you'll send it to us, we'll make sure that it gets included in the show notes. Anita, as you were talking through the different programs, I got to thinking about open enrollment. Normally, when an employer is offering benefits to their employees, that open enrollment period is like October, November, December, or November, December of a calendar year. And I know Medicare is the same way. Does that follow through to Medicaid programs? Were you guys extremely busy in the last quarter of 2020? Marketplace, we were, but with Medicaid, there is not per se an open enrollment period. It's at any point that you are eligible to apply, you apply. Now, you do have a renewal process. If I applied last year, this time of the year, and was approved, then you would be up for a renewal or redetermination. And that would be done annually. Or let's say you weren't approved when we applied three months ago and now things have changed because my income has dropped again and or I've had a baby, I've had something that's changed in my household, then I can reapply. There's no per se open enrollment period in Medicaid. Thank you. You know, you mentioned babies and I got to thinking about diapers and during the COVID-19 pandemic, I have a really heavy heart for folks that don't have adequate income that may also have young children and need diapers or formula or all the multitude of things you seem to need with an infant at home. Are you guys also, through your partnerships, able to connect the individuals you work with with supplemental services? Absolutely. We can get them connected with what they call WIC, 
which is women's infants and children, and they can work with that program to see about getting formula and things that they may need for their child. Uh, we can also refer them to SNAP and help them with that assistance. And that's also some supplemental food for that family if they qualify under the guidelines. Thank you. Do you guys have, um, you're speaking about food, do you guys have a website that people can go to to see if there's food pantries in their local area? We do not have those links on our website. However, if someone wants to chat with us about options, they can go to our website and schedule an appointment. There's an actual button there right in front says schedule an appointment and make sure you tell us what county you live in. And I will then redirect your appointment to the appropriate navigator and the area that she covers. While we don't have those links on our websites, our navigators are very, very familiar with the regions they cover. And they can frequently and, and oftentimes do connect people to those other services. And in fact, for our reporting, for our funding, we keep track of those things. We call them assists. So if someone needs help filling out the SNAP application or they can't find a dentist, they need transportation. We keep track of all of those things. So in a, in a roundabout way, yes, we can help them. It's just not directly on our website. And another thing that we do when somebody does call and say, I need help with the health insurance, see if I qualify, can you tell me anything else? Well, during that conversation, a lot of times that's when we find out from that client that they told us that, oh, I don't have any food in my house. I don't know what I'm going to be able to do, or I can't get my medications and it's very important because I have seizures or something like that. You know, we have a resource, each one of our navigators do, whether it's on our computers or we have it written in a manual or whatever we may have, but we have ways to find out where we can get resources for those. And they also have something online that's called 211 that actually they can go in and search if they're looking for pharmacy or food pantries and things like that. So we can help direct them to there as well, you know, if they have that online capabilities. So both of you have mentioned that you have multiple navigators in the program. And Tina, you mentioned different uh, regions around the state. Could you tell us how many navigators that you have in total? Well, our team, all five of us are licensed as Indiana Insurance Navigators. And that includes me. I don't do as much hands-on case management as the other four. They are directly involved with clients and we do hands-on case management, meaning if we help you fill out the application, we ask you to let us become your authorized representative, which allows us to go into the state system and follow your case. We get the same mail that you get so that if they send you a letter saying, we still need you to send a copy of your birth certificate or whatever, we can call you and remind you and say, hey, you just got a letter in the mail from them. Please don't ignore it. And if you need our help, we'll be happy to re-upload that for you. But we consider this a partnership with the clients we serve. It's not just us filling out the application and then letting the person go. We really want to help them understand health insurance because it is a learning process. I mean, I know I think back on on over the years how things have changed and everything that I've had to relearn and stay up on. It does take practice. And I can add on to that as well that a lot of times when I've worked with some clients, they'll say, well, I make too much money. I know I won't qualify. And I may ask the question, when did you last apply? Uh, maybe four or five years ago. Well, the income limits have changed tremendously in the past few years. So 
we always tell them it's not going to hurt anything to apply. If you apply and get denied, we'll find out why. Was it for over income? Uh, not the right paperwork? You know, what was it that caused it to deny? But a lot of times people are eligible more so than they think because they're thinking of years ago when they tried and the income levels were a lot lower then. And if I could add on to that, Anita makes an excellent point. And where children are concerned, this is the fact that is frequently overlooked or people, as Anita said, they just automatically assume that they make too much money. For Hoosier HealthWise, the monthly income limits are very, very generous and they are much higher than the Healthy Indiana plan. So you as an adult may not qualify, but it's likely that your children could. And for example, if you are a family of three your monthly income could be as high as $4,700 a month and you can still qualify to get your child enrolled. If you are a family of four, the monthly income limit is slightly over $5,700 a month. And then for a family of five, it's $6,712 a month. You can make that much money a month as a family of five and get your children enrolled in theory. I mean, that's part of what we do is we help determine in advance if we think you're likely to get approved. We don't actually make that determination, but we can help the client walk through these things and say, you're a good candidate. Let's go ahead and complete that application. That's great information. I'm very surprised at those generous numbers. So we started off talking about partnerships and you mentioned schools. Are there any other groups around the state that you partner with that are really strong partners for the program? Yes, thank you so much for asking that. We work closely with other organizations who also have licensed navigators on their staff. And we all work closely together because we're all committed to this cause. And so those partners include Covering Kids and Families, another one are our federally qualified health centers throughout the state. They are not only providers of health care, they also have navigators who can help you get enrolled in health care. And then there's a company called ClayMade, and they have a presence in a lot of Indiana's hospitals. So between the four of us, anybody in the state of Indiana can reach out and work with a navigator, and we encourage you to do that, whether it's with us or one of those other programs I just mentioned, because we know a lot of the tricks of the trade. And the application and enrollment process is not easy. But once you get the coverage, it's outstanding health coverage. It just takes some work to get it. And having a navigator hold your hand through that process increases your likelihood of getting a successful enrollment. So when people come to you and and you use your navigator skills and, and knowledge, how do you get paid? Does the participant have to pay you? No. The participants, this is a funding by Centers for Medicare and Medicaid that we receive, and so we do not charge anything for the client to apply. The funds were given to us from the CMS, which I said, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid. So that's the other thing. Some places they may go to to help with insurance that are an actual agency that they may have to pay for assistance for that, but we do not charge anything for that. So you guys are both employees of the Indiana Rural Health Association. How long does this funding last and how long have you had it? We are about halfway through a three-year funding cycle. So we started our work on July 1 of 2019, and we have to kind of reapply each year. But what we have to do is fill out a lot of paperwork that goes to CMS, proving that we're meeting the grant goals, and they say, yes, okay, you can continue for another year. So we got that continuation for our second year, and at the end of June, we will submit that 
for our third year, which should take us to June 30th, 2022. That's great news to hear that the funding will continue for a couple of more years. So I'm, I'm putting myself in the place of someone who is listening to our podcast and thinking, oh my gosh, maybe I really should reapply, or I, you know, I had no idea all of these programs were out there. How can they find licensed insurance navigators? Well, we have a document that we'll share with you that can be linked from your program notes, and it's also going to be on our website. And I think I neglected to include our actual URL a little earlier. It's www.indianaruralhealth.org forward slash, and then in all caps, CKC hyphen IN. So they can go there and we will have that under our useful links tab and they can click on where to find a navigator in Indiana. That information is also with the Indiana Department of Insurance because all of us as licensed navigators are registered with the Indiana Department of Insurance. And so people can go in there and I believe they can type in their zip code and it will bring up navigators in their neighborhood or in their community. Very good. Now, so once someone has insurance, how do they find uh, a doctor's office or a clinic that will take their insurance? Well, when they work with that client, once they're approved, they can choose one of the entities that they want to have as their carrier. So what they want to do is they'll call that insurance carrier and say, is Dr. Smith on the actual approved list? And if not, then they're going to try to find one of those insurances if they want to stick with that physician, that actually he's on that list. If not, then they may have to choose a different physician. But usually within the entities they have, one of them will take the physician that they have. That's good to hear. And we also stay in close touch with the managed care entities is is how they're referred to in Medicaid. And so those include Anthem and CareSource and MHS and MDYs. And they have representatives who do a really good job of educating navigators like us with their product material so that we can help clients if it gets to that. You know, we, for example, we could say we just met with an Anthem rep and they told us that your program qualifies you to get free transportation to your doctor's office. Now, not all of them do that, but that's the kind of, um, again, that's the kind of information we can help tease out for clients who call us. That's a good point. I don't have any other questions. Do you guys have any other topics that you want to talk about today or touch on? I, I don't think I do, Anita. Did you? I did. I was looking at some research yesterday with the number of people with health care needs and so on. And I did. I thought something was kind of interesting on the 211 site where you can go and search for, I need help with this or that, whatever it may be. I did show that they have a graph now that shows that the number three call that comes into 211 is a referral in regard to healthcare. Mm-hmm. So that tells us that people are at least trying to call or attempting to call to try to get help services for their healthcare. So hopefully with the 211s and these types of um, programs that we have, hopefully that will continue to increase the number of children and adults as well to be insured in healthcare. So, Tina, you mentioned earlier some statistics. I think it was George Washington University. Georgetown University. Georgetown University, thank you. Um, Indiana was 
wealth on the list for the highest of uninsured population. That And that time frame for that study or that snapshot of data was 2017 to 2019? Actually, it was um, uninsured children only, and it was 2016 to 2019. And yes, on that list, Indiana is 12th for the um, highest number of uninsured children and also states with significant increase in the number of uninsured children. So our numbers keep going up. When will we see the next snapshot to see if our program has been making a difference? That's a good question. I, I don't know that I have the answer. I think we will pay attention to the Georgetown website. There's also the United States Census that has something called the American Community Survey. I jump onto that every now and then just to see if they've gotten any new information. I expect after they complete calculating the 2020 census, though, is when we will see the latest set of real-time data that we can go by. Another resource that I've heard about but haven't investigated is Aunt Bertha. Do you guys deal with Aunt Bertha? We, um, I'm sorry, did you want to say something, Anita? Well, Aunt Bertha, when people hear that, they just are like, Aunt Bertha, really? <laughs> well, Aunt Bertha is very similar to 211, and it's yeah. another way to just, it's an avenue and a navigation tool to find the resources that people need. Again, whether it's a doctor's office, whether it's food pantries, um, any type of resources, you know, housing, all those sorts of things, you can put in your zip code and it will bring up multitudes of lists of resources for you phone numbers, addresses, websites. So it's an also another very good resource. If nothing else, you know, if they won't listen to anything, say go to Aunt Bertha or go to 211. Right. And you can find some resources there. And, and we have a profile on Aunt Bertha and 211. So on your website or on your page on the IRHA website? Well, no, I was thinking if people go to, for example, AuntBertha.com and were to mm-hmm. search for us, they should be able to find us there and at 211. So another way to find you guys would be to go through either 211 or Aunt Bertha. Yes. Awesome. And we are also on Facebook, and we just recently launched a Twitter page. So search for Connecting Kids to Coverage or Connecting Kids to Coverage Indiana, and it should pop up um, in either of those places. And we do have links to both of our, our social media links on our webpage as well. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for joining us today. I have learned a lot more about CKC and all of the Medicaid programs in the state of Indiana. I want to thank you for listening to A Virtual View. I've been your host, Becky Sanders. You can find more information about today's episode in the show notes below. If you would like to support our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Do you have a topic you'd like us to discuss? If so, leave us a review with your idea or contact us at info at umtrc.org. Also, I'd like to give a special thanks to Josh Rodriguez and Francis Fitzgerald for scoring our podcast. And I'd be remiss if I didn't thank our editor, Caroline Yoder, who's been the brains behind making this idea of mine come to fruition. I couldn't have done it without her. Finally, a special thanks to the Health Resources and Service Administration, also known as HRSA. Our podcast series, A Virtual View, is sponsored in part by HRSA's Telehealth Resource Center program, which is under the Federal Office of Rural Health Policy and the Office for Advancement of Telehealth. 
content and conclusions of this podcast are those of Becky Sanders as the program director of the UMTRC and should not be construed as the official policy or position of, nor should any endorsements be inferred by, HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government. Thanks for listening and have a great day.